My Year of Bad Sex, Part 4. Written and read by me, Jonathan Izard. It wasn't easy. In the parlance of my childhood, I'd thrown a six and was on the board, but further progress was not proving straightforward. Too many grim images and naff profiles. Here for a good time, not a long time. Want to leave the single market before the UK does. <laughs> Sigh. Until a young man called Gabriele appeared on the scene. Incidentally, perhaps I don't always need that adjective when introducing new male characters in this narrative. You can take it as read that none of them will be older than me, unless Prince Philip makes a surprise appearance. You never know. Gabriele was, and presumably still is, Brazilian, which is just fine with me. That olive skin tone is something that I find really attractive. Now, I'm not saying I could never fancy a Finn, have sex with a Swede, capital S, or sit in the lap of a lap. It's not a case of no way Norway, but the phrase pale and interesting has never rung true for me. So when Gabriele pinged up, he had instant appeal. I swiped right and a conversation had begun. Not only did he have olive skin, but a brain and a sense of humour too. Messages went back and forth. It seemed relaxed and friendly, the kind of chat I could imagine having over a drink with someone at a party. Hi, I'm Jonty. Nice to meet you. What do you do? What he did was real estate investing, as he put it. I had no idea what he meant exactly, but as long as he didn't work for Foxton's, I was okay with that. We talked about his parents coming to visit him the following week and his trip to Vienna with them, all very adult. I felt I could do this. He went to Austria with his mother and father and had a crazy time, caps to exclamation marks, with a lost iPad and too much stress. Then he was busy at work and away for a weekend in Germany. But in between, our chats were all heading in the right direction. We talked about politics too. I commiserated with him on the result of the presidential election in Brazil, with the homophobic Bolsonaro winning power. Of course, I had no inkling that a year later we'd have our own misogynistic, Islamophobic, homophobic, self-serving, lying, hypocritical, corrupt, incompetent buffoon in 10 Downing Street. A gurning transatlantic bookend to the orange baby sociopath in the White House. How did we get here? And how the fuck do we get out of here? And don't get me started on Brexit. How come David fucking Cameron has never been tried for treason? <sighs> Clear's throat gives apologetic smile. Anyway, Gabriele and I moved smoothly on to the swap picks question, with the reply, sure. Mine were a few of me on holiday from the summer with my shirt off in a hammock, smiling and trying to look appealing, but not too sexual. No alcohol, no dogs, no flamingos. His were of his reflection in a full-length mirror. I'm amazed how many guys have one in their bedrooms. Have they been bought specifically for this purpose? I'm looking for a mirror so I can send nude pics to guys. Oh yes, sir. This one is very popular with gentlemen of the homosexualist community. He stood awkwardly, square on, no spin or sass in his white undies. And, if I'm honest, not really that sexy. But appealing in his authenticity. The conversation continued along jokey, semi-flirty lines. Then came the compatibility question with a drumroll emoji. You know... Plugs, sockets. 
No, we would not be wasting each other's time if it came to a horizontal situation. The aubergine emoji was employed to comic effect, and then the offer of dick pics was made and accepted. Has it ever been refused? Not to my knowledge. Gabriella's dick looked, well, like a dick, but smaller. Obviously I didn't say that. I know I can be a twat sometimes, and we'll come back to my great penis faux pas later, but he was a sweet young man, sorry, sweet man, and I said it looked nice, yummy, tasty, and so on, as you do. He said, everyone expects Brazilians to be hung like donkeys. I didn't argue. But we're not. Again, I didn't argue. He said mine was, look, I want to be honest without being accused of blowing my own trumpet, which is something I was anatomically able to do until I was about 30. But since then, despite regular yoga, that slightly freakish delight is beyond me. I need a wingman now. Old joke. Can you stand on your head? No, I can't. Then I'll stand on it for you. Yes, he said mine was huge, amazing, enormous but then, in comparison to his, most would be. And, of course, I send only images that flatter. With the foreshortening effect, I've got some that make me look like a version of John Merrick, if you know what I mean. I'm not going to look younger or slimmer or more hirsute than most, but in this department I can be confident. Not arrogant, just secure. Cockshaw. I'll come back to the size of my penis later, if I may. Thank you. But are you okay if I press on with Gabrielli for now? Thanks. His pics were not slutty or sleazy, and mine were either me smiling or being a bit silly or close-ups of my penis, which is not slutty in my book, just factual. It's part of why we'd be meeting, after all, no? And a meeting was now agreed. Coffee and a chat to start with. That's all that was on the table, although the cock pick, swap, and top-bottom check confirmed that we were not shy or circumspect. There's a Brazilian cafe 50 metres from my flat, and I suggested a liaison there. It served three purposes. Coffee, Brazil, and close to mine, in case that's the way the croissant crumbled. Two days before the date, I pulled. A muscle in my back. I joked with him that I'd been aiming for perfection at the gym. I'm not sure he got the humour, and I worried that he thought that I thought I could be and would be perfect by the time we met. I dosed myself up on Nurofen, Tylenol, and some way-past-their-best-before-date diclofenac from a previous incapacity. I knew there was no point trying to take the social intercourse to sexual if I was wincing in pain with every move. Far from blowing my own trumpet, I wouldn't even be able to toot his piccolo. The drugs worked. I was as close to perfect as I could expect to be. The stage was set. The night before our assignation, I got a text from Gabriele. It was, simply, baldly, a copy of something he had received. It read, Thank you for using the sexual health service. Your results are oral chlamydia, negative. Anal chlamydia, negative. Oral syphilis, negative. Anal syphilis, negative. HIV, negative. You are immune to hepatitis B. What? It was sent with no explanation or pretty wrapping. I replied two minutes later, Oh, thank you. Is that the etiquette nowadays? I had no idea. 
I'm sorry I haven't been as thorough as you. I have a lot to learn. So that's what we do now, is it? Really? Blimey, O'Reilly. I'd better get cracking. I reckoned I hadn't done anything with a high risk of contracting HIV since 1998, but it felt right to match his honesty. That's good news about your tests. Maybe I can do one in the morning. And an hour later, I told him, Clinic booked for 10am. So, still on track then. Until, at 23.47, on the eve of our coffee shag whatever, I sent the message, and at some point we must have the conversation that includes the word Roberto. What? came straight back. You know Roberto? I explained that yes, I did. He and I were colleagues, and I told Roberto that I was on Tinder, chatting, gosh, to guys, gasp, and had arranged my very first date with someone, a sweet Brazilian chap by the name of Gabriele. Roberto said he'd also recently met up with a Gabriele, and wondered if it was the same one. I showed him my Gabriele's lovely face, and Roberto confirmed it was the same one as his. He's a really nice guy, he said. We just had a drink and went our separate ways. We mostly talked about the recent elections in Brazil. He's on the right side. The left, thank goodness. I told all this to Gabriele, but he was unnerved by this triangular discussion, seeing it as gossip, not transparency. As far as I was concerned, there was no need for secrecy. But hey, I didn't even realise I needed a health check before a cappuccino. Oh God, he messaged me, this is terrible. Really? I'm a bit not comfortable. Roberto said you were sweet and you'd talked about politics. That's all. Are you pissed off with me? Not pissed off, but I do find it all a bit weird. No damage has been done, Gabrielli. Nobody's told any lies. Or had they? Not me. Let's talk tomorrow. I need to sleep. In the morning, my back was better, but his mood was not. Let's reschedule, he said. I get peeved at this whole picture-sharing and gossiping. It's normal. I do it too, but I wish I hadn't known that you're friends with Roberto. His message went on much, much longer, and included awkward and wrong foot and uncomfortable. It ended. So I suggest we put this off for a few weeks. Really? No. I said, you must do what you feel is right. He said, thanks for understanding. But I didn't. I fucking didn't. I'd had my back waxed, shaved my balls and trimmed my pubes, I'd put clean sheets on the bed, I'd checked there were condoms in the bedside table. The first time I was probably going to have a fuck for two years since the regrouting episode with Nathan. That night, I lay between the clean sheets with my smooth back and wondered, what the actual fuck? I never did meet Gabrielli at that Brazilian cafe on the corner. I left it two months and then sent him good wishes for the new year. We had a chat for a short while about Christmas, holidays, flu, work, looking for a flat, even the weather. We were treading water, not swimming in any direction. I asked if I could still buy him that coffee so we could chat about what had happened, why it had gone a bit weird. In other words, why he had. He told me he'd been under stress at work and he was in a negative mood said maybe he'd overreacted. Duh. He also apologised and hoped he hadn't hurt my feelings. I was tempted to lie, but instead replied, I did feel hurt, but mostly confused. 
I suggested we meet to bring things full circle and say either hello or goodbye. He talked about the climate in the UK and his uncertainty of whether to stay or return to Brazil. I reminded him of my offer. He said he'd started to see someone and if we met it would be as friends and friends only. Fine. This weekend? He'd be away. Next weekend. A friend of his had given birth, so it was tricky. My final message was an expression of regret that we hadn't had the coffee as planned and to let me know if he wanted it now or in the future. And I ended, I hope no offence has been given or taken on either side. I wish you well. No offence taken at all, Jonty, came his over-cheery response, failing to address whether he had offended me. I do tend to the belief that we are all doing the best we can, given the circumstances, at any time. And I do, I genuinely do wish the little shit well. Incidentally, I went to the clinic, filled in the forms, and was told the HIV test would cost me £100. I said, let's forget that then. I only booked here because I had a hot date, but he stood me up, and I can get the test free elsewhere. Bye. We were now into 2019, and my rampantly hedonistic phase was not going according to plan. From December 2013 to January 2019, sex with Nathan was the sum total of my new steamy experience. Dating in the 21st century was proving a difficult beast to tame. It was a tough, unforgiving business, and I doubted that I had the skills to join the fun. But things were about to change. Dramatically. Oh, yes. My Year of Bad Sex is written and read by me, Jonathan Izard. The music and studio production are by Andy Mills. My Year of Bad Sex is a protocol production. Mm -hmm.